my mentor, uh, General Sam Wilson, he uh, was one of Merrill's marauders in World War II, and he lied about his age to join the military. He was 19 years old, and he was leading a reconnaissance platoon in Burma wow. behind Japanese lines. And I asked him one time, how do you do that? I mean, you never know when there's, you know, it could be a sniper up right. in a tree. Yeah, how do you do that? He said, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Well, there you go. That's what I did. I just concentrated on putting one foot in front of the other. And that advice, I mean, after 9-11, you know, for a long time I was on autopilot, but I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And, then, and then doors open. And then doors eventually open, yeah. listening to the reinvention podcast my name is aaron anderson this week i'm talking with don marshall a modern day jack ryan who swears he's not in the cia but nobody believes him in fact this episode had to be reviewed by the defense department don trained as a historian worked as a defense analyst lost his wife on 9-11 rescued his two young children found love again ran for the state house of delegates and recently deployed to Afghanistan. His story is full of love and loss and hope and fear and sacrifice and redemption and duty and honor and everything. Visit reinventionpodcast.com for transcripts and other free resources. I'm going to introduce you to myself to see if I can figure things out. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> let's see if I have... Remember, I didn't run for Congress, actually. I ran for the House of Delegates. You ran for the House of Delegates. Yeah. So, uh, here's how we'll start. You started as a history major, right, at Hampton, Sydney. Yep. And then you went on to work for the Defense Department. Yes. And uh, you retired for a while. Mm-hmm. And then while you were retired, that's my air quotes right there, mm -hmm. you started a school. I was on the board of the uh, board of directors at a school. Yeah. A brand new school. No, no, it had been around for a while. Okay. Yeah. And you, uh, you ran for the House of Delegates. Right. Twice. Here, the national one or the here one here? In, in, in the state, State House of Delegates. State House of Delegates. And, uh, and now you unretired. Yeah. And you are back. At DOD. Back at the OD, protecting the world from bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Peggy thinks you're a spook. She's absolutely convinced that you're CIA. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I, still, I still have a soul. I don't know. No. I don't know. It's hard for me to explain that maybe you're not. And and so that that I say that this is more, is that a more or less accurate representation yeah, so. of who yeah. you are? Yeah. All right. So, and you were about to go to Afghanistan. Yes. And uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Why are you going to Afghanistan? Uh, it's... It's a career move, really. Um, it's something I haven't done. It's something most people who are looking for promotion uh, have done. Um, so that's that's a big part of it. And eh, part part of it is, you know, one of my friends referred to it as Don's adventure. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, maybe in, ba in Bagram, in Bagram, yeah, maybe a little bit, but uh, it, it should be fairly routine well i don't know there's so, a fine line we'll between an adventure and an ordeal yeah yeah and let's hope you don't care. but when yeah. when you're there you're uh, so how are you preparing to go so part of it is i know that you're going to be carrying a gun so you've been practicing yeah. that yeah yep yeah they they prepare us uh over and over in in some ways in, in, a, in a bureaucratic sense we we take some of the same classes over and over and then in other ways we 
I feel like we almost don't get enough um, uh, training. Like, like uh, I've had combat first aid now, and I had to deal with a sucking chest wound. Oh, that's good. And, and how, uh, amputations. And how, how and, do you deal with a sucking chest wound? Well, first you got to make it stop sucking. Okay. <laughs> so you get some sort of plastic or something yeah. and put it over. Yeah. And and you got to look for the exit wound too, and make sure you got that covered. And then um, uh, you, you've got to let it breathe every now and then, so that there's not a I forget what the the term is exactly, but yeah, there's a, there's a and you know I learned how to put a, a tourniquet on high and tight to you know take care of a severed limb. Wow, and, uh, all this fun stuff. So, so and this is and this is just another day at the office, just sucking no, chest this, wounds. This, this this was you know most of the time I'm literally at an office in front of a computer, so uh -huh. this was a little more fun. So uh, and, so the, everyone, this is my friend Don Marshall. He's actually Jack Ryan yeah, is the yeah. he, he's he's a, a an analyst by day and a world adventurer. So you're oh, yeah. you're practicing sucking chest wounds, uh, amputations, yeah. uh, firearms training. Yeah, firearms. Right? training including and, uh, two to the chest one to the head and yeah. combat reloads oh yeah yeah okay pretty fun okay yeah that's <laughs> good and so but let's be clear again you started as a history major as a history major yes okay yeah and but uh, i always knew i wanted to get into this line well not always i should say i guess i was around 12 or 13 when i decided i wanted to do this kind of thing and i distinctly remember it was watching Diamonds Are Forever with Sean Connery and Jill really? St. John. Oh, yeah. And uh, he put a little computer disc in Jill St. John's bikini uh, bottom. I remember. And patted and, her on the butt. And patted her on the butt. And I thought, well, that's not so bad. Right, right. And and you're telling me that you're not CIA. You're just, I am not. No, you are inspired no. by James Bond. Was, yes. You're training in sucking chest wounds and yes. amputations and yes. guns, but you're just, a, yeah, you just, just work in an office. It's a strange. Well, typically, yeah. All right. Typically, I work right. in an office. If you say but, so. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so. Now, have you have you ever had now have you ever been in a position like this before, where you're having this type of training? No, no. This is new. So, uh, and it was pretty interesting. Um, and you know, I think part part of the, uh, especially with the combat first aid thing, I think half of what they're trying to do is sort of desensitize you so that when you do see things, it doesn't totally freak you out. Right. You know. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that sounds like an important first step. So I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to connect the dots here. Mm -hmm. So how does one go from studying history right. to working for the Defense Department? Is that, a, is that a common transition? No. I mean, actually, my first boss as an analyst liked to hire political science uh, folks and people with uh, degrees in international affairs. But, uh, you know, the thing about history is that you learn to do analysis. You do it backwards, right? You look you, you look at an event that's already happened and you evaluate, you go through the sources of information, you evaluate the sources, uh, their credibility, all that. With the you know intelligence analysis, you look forward, you get or you look to the present and you look forward. You get sources of information that you have to evaluate and decide how credible they are. So history majors are really I don't, you know, not to pat myself on the back. There are plenty of history majors that I helped get hired that turned out to be really great analysts. Huh. So it's, it's, I think it's the training. I don't, so you, were you, were you the first? I don't know. I'm with my boss. Probably I was one of the first history majors he hired, but then I, I sat in on a, an interview with a, a guy who had a bachelor's degree in history from Arizona state, I believe. And, uh, we did a phone interview with him and he was just so impressive and he came on board and I'll tell you, I remember getting his first paper, and usually you have to work with people and and get them used to the formatting, get them used to uh, 
uh, you know, just the, the mindset. And this guy, he had read a few papers already. And his first paper, I think I had a, I found a comma that he missed. Wow. And that, that was all I could find that was wrong with it. He just nailed it. And I went into the boss and said, see? All right. Yeah, he, 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 now, what, now, what year did you start working for the Defense Department? That was 1990, but I started out as a um, human resources manager. From history to human history resource to human manager. Resources, but I just wanted to get my foot in the door. So you, yeah. But you knew the Defense Department was where you wanted to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I figured the best thing to do. And back back at that time, it was, let's see, the, the Cold War had pretty much ended. So there was a drawdown in the military. And it was a matter of, you know, if, you, if I got offered a job, I was going to take it. Right. And just, like I said, get my foot in the door. And then I'd be able to take some training and things like that. And, you know, and, and hopefully be able to switch careers at some point. But that took three years. But you just wanted it in the door. I just wanted it in the door. Yeah. It took three years, but it paid off because in the end, the, 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 my first job as an analyst, I got that job because I could report in two weeks versus hiring someone from outside who would have to go through his background check and all that stuff that could take up to six months. So the fact that I was already in helped a lot. Well, that's pretty cool. You know? And is that now, had you met Shelly at this point? No, or? that's that's where I met my wife, Shelley, the, my in, first wife, Shelly. In the, in the Defense Department. Mm -hmm. And what was she doing? She was a human resources manager too. And it turns out that I was lucky to get hired because she didn't want to hire me. <laughs> she, <laughs> after After my first interview, uh, first and only interview. That's auspicious I, beginnings. She, she went, apparently, I didn't find out about this until the memorial service for her. Uh, when our boss got up and said, you know, initially, uh, she, after I interviewed Don, Shelly came storming into my office and said, you're not going to hire that man, oh are you? Oh, my God. Yeah. And you, and you and, didn't know about this until no, much later. No. And he said, he told her, I bought him for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So, yeah. Yeah, so that was pretty cool, and that worked out really well. I mean, and she, then, she sat right across from me, and we 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 both sort of cleared the decks. I was dating somebody, she was dating somebody, and about three months after I got the job, we had both ditched our. Uh, so she changed uh, her mind about yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you had two and lovely children. Two lovely children. Yeah. And you still have two lovely children. And, yep. Yep. And um, and this is and this is a point I don't want to I don't want to dwell too much on, but. 9-11 was a, was a pretty major uh, reinvention point for you, a pretty oh, major yeah. turning point. Yeah. Um, yeah, Shelley was killed in the Pentagon on 9-11. And, uh, you know, I, I visit a lot of schools and talk about 9-11 doing sort of, sort of an oral history, but just to, to, you know, make the kids realize that history is made up of people and not just names and figures and books. And one of the things I always tell the kids is that, you know, you, you have a pretty good idea of what your future is. You, you know, you've, at, 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 you know, in high school and college, you've, you've got your path kind of uh, laid out ahead of you. Maybe you're not, maybe some of the uh, areas are a little fuzzy, but you know, you're going to grow up, you're going to have, you're going to meet somebody, you're going to marry them, maybe have some kids, you know, you'll, you'll put them through college, you'll travel, you know, you, you'll buy a house, all these things. And, you know, 9-11 just totally, you know, knocked me off my feet uh, and suddenly there was no future you know i didn't everything that that i had planned on was gone and just i just had to start over and you know uh, fortunately i had a lot of help with that you know um dod they gave me a um a grief counselor and that was probably one of the smartest things i've ever done is actually you know uh 
get past any sense of stigma and mm -hmm. just go talk and, and listen and interact and with this counselor who knew what she was doing. And uh, that helped me, you know, I, I kept thinking about the, um, you know, when you get on the plane and the, the flight attendants telling you, you know, if the mask comes down, put your mask on before you put your kid's mask right. on, you know. And I kept thinking that's kind of what I have to do. I have to get myself straight if I'm going to raise these kids by myself. So, you know, I, I, I experimented. I went back to work uh, for about three months. Then I, the people at work were really gracious and allowed me to work with a contractor in my hometown in Morgantown, West Virginia, so I could stay with my parents. And I was in a, a smaller town outside the hustle and bustle of D.C., and I just wanted to see what it would be like to have the kids out in an environment like that. And uh, so I did that for three or four months. And then I came back and uh, we were getting, um, you know, they call them death benefits. It's sort of two words that don't go together. Right. Um, but we were getting enough in terms of death benefits that, that I thought we could give it a shot with me just not working. So we took three months leave without pay. And wow, that what a difference it made. Um, you know, I was taking the kids to, to daycare, and I was getting up and going through rush hour traffic to get them to daycare. And when I stopped doing that, when I took the time off, I still took them to, to, to uh, daycare, but not during rush hour. And I didn't realize how much my stress would infect them. Right. You know, and everybody just calmed down and started to enjoy each other. You know, and at the well, time, the kids were like, at the time of nine eleven, Drake was three, and Chandler was almost two. And you said, and, and Drake remembers the yeah. the sound of the building. Well, he he remembers being he was playing with blocks. He was building a castle in the in, in the daycare in the daycare next to the Pentagon, and uh, then the fire alarm went off, and and he got pulled out, and they uh, took him to the uh, north end of North Parking, which is where I found him. And and you. And you didn't know about Charlie for, for quite a while. Yeah, it took um, about four days before they finally confirmed that she was dead. And so, it, was, it was one of the wheels? Uh, it, was, it was the front of the plane. I mean, uh, it, what was odd, I, I was able to, to get the kids, take them to her parents, and then come back to the Pentagon and try to... It took me about three hours to find a way inside the security perimeter. And then I was there as a stretcher bearer, and I was looking at the gash in the building... And when you look at the gash, it looks like the plane went straight into the building, like a 90-degree angle. And it didn't. It went in at an angle. But I couldn't see that. And because of the angle, I mean, if it had gone in straight, it would have missed our office by 150, 200 feet. But it went in at an angle, and basically the front, I guess, landing gear it went through her office and killed her and six of her coworkers. Now, and for a while... Um I know you just last year you sold your Jeep. Yeah. And I know yeah. that was it was an emotional moment, mm -hmm. right? Because that Jeep was... That was the rescue vehicle after 9-11. It was safety for you. It was safety, yeah. It was, you know, at the time I was still living in D.C. And uh, I just thought, you know, if I ever need to get out of D.C., if something happens again, and, you know, they were talking about dirty bombs and things like that at the time. I thought this Jeep, you know, I can go off-road. I had a... I had 
plating put underneath of it so it could go off road. I had brush guards. I had all this. It was it was a yeah. nice Jeep for yeah. the record. It was yeah. it was a nice. It, yeah. was, it was kind of an old Jeep. Yeah, it was, it was an old nice Jeep. Yeah, it was a, it was a two thousand one actually, and uh, I ended up putting about three hundred thousand miles on it. Wow. And uh, yeah, but it it was it was safety. That's what that represented. And then, um, so, uh, so no one who's listening to this will be able to see where we are right now, <laughs> but we are in an absolutely spectacularly beautiful home. Huh. You moved your kids out of mm -hmm. DC to this wonderful place, yeah. built this place yep. for them, mm -hmm. um, and, and have, uh, raised them to be just amazing people. Yeah. True, wow. truly, truly amazing. Got a lot of help. <laughs> and um, there is on your um, banner upstairs right. on the on, yeah, the, on the railing, on the yeah. railing there is a hawk. Yeah. And uh, I, I just I would like you to tell the story of that hawk and how you bought yeah. this land. So we ended up. Uh, I wanted to look for land near Shepherdstown, West Virginia, because Shelley and I had come up here quite a few times and really liked it. And it turned out it was about. About an hour and 15 minutes from her parents and about two and a half hours from mine. So it was a good location after 9-11 to, to have the kids. And the other thing was that it was far enough away from D.C. that I didn't have to worry about the kids. You know, when I used to drop them off at daycare in Alexandria, that I, I didn't realize how much str how stressful that was until I came up right. to Shepherdstown and dropped them off at school and drove away and thought, wow, I could drive to Ohio and I wouldn't be worried about them anymore. But anyway... Um, yeah, so we moved up here. Uh, I was well, I was looking for for land uh, to build, and uh, was walking on this one property, and all of a sudden I heard this hawk overhead, and I looked up and he was wheeling around, and I thought that's funny because Shelley used to she knew I liked hawks, and so she used to watch for them when we would be driving. You know, she'd point them out to me on the telephone poles and things like that. So, like I said, I'm walking through this field. And I hear a hawk above, and, and I look up, and he's circled up there for five to ten minutes. I mean, he, he usually they, they circle and circle away looking for, but he just stayed over me for about five to ten minutes. And I thought to myself, you know, I think this is a sign. And I called my mother that night. Uh, she was a realtor, and I figured she'll talk sense. And uh, I said, so this is what happened. I was out in the field, and the hawk flew over, and she said, no, you're supposed to buy that place. Oh, she did? Yeah, yeah. Have you thought about that right since? Do you think, I mean, this place is spectacular. Yeah. I mean, I, th this is, it's, it's, yeah, it's become my home. I mean, and it's, you know, I, yeah, I built it for the kids, but I kind of also built it for Shelly. And then what was interesting was as we were living up here in Shepherdstown, as the, as the house was being built, um, I remember they have great traditions here. Like they still have Easter parades. So it is a cool town. Yeah. So um, I thought I'd get Chandler, uh, my daughter, a, a Easter bonnet. So we went into the dress shop in town and uh, Miss Heather uh, helped us look for the Easter bonnet uh, in a catalog. And the kids really liked Miss Heather. So they wanted to come back and see her the next day and the day after that and the day after that. And well, about six months later, I finally asked her out. And uh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, Miss Heather is Miss Heather. Heather. Yeah. I didn't yeah. I didn't put that together. Yeah. So I finally asked her out and I thought, you know, I, it's been a long time since I asked anybody out on a date and I, you know, we went out and had a good time. We talked and had dinner and we came back and I got out of the car and opened her door for her and I thought, well, now what do I do? I mean, what's It's been a while. It's been a while. 
And she looked at me and then stuck her hand out and shook my hand. <laughs> and I thought, huh. Uh, another, okay. in, another inauspicious beginning to, yeah. a, to a relationship. Yeah. yeah. I thought, well, okay, maybe I didn't. My radar must be broken. Um, but it turned out that uh, it, it wasn't. And uh, I guess this is about three years later we got married. Yeah, and, and, the, uh, and the, your but, wedding pictures but, are yeah, fantastic. but but a lot, but my, my back to the house. Uh, you know, the house was also a way for uh, uh, Heather to become integrated into the the family. I mean, she helped me pick out uh, you know everything from paint to plumbing to you know. So uh, uh, and and she's become you know a second mother to the kids. And I mean, they call her mom. She's uh, oh, she's a wonderful person. Yeah, yeah. She's been. Uh, she's one of my favorite people yeah, in the entire world. Yeah, she she's been great. And you know, and the other thing is Shepherdstown. I mean, it's a town that it's a small town, and uh, you know, people know each other there. And when I would take the kids into town, people would ask them how they were doing in school and things like that. So there was always a, a lot of positive reinforcement there. Yeah. So, uh, well, in this house, the architecture of this house is spectacular. You, you based it. So another one of your hobbies is architecture. Yeah. Just, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. So you built, can you just briefly describe the architecture of where we are? It's, uh, the floor plan was based on the first Palladian house in Ireland, a place called Bellamont. Uh, and, uh, it's interesting. I, I did the floor plan based on, on that, uh, that house uh, from the early 1700s. And I remember at one point thinking, oh, wait a minute, there are no bathrooms and there are no closets. <laughs> um, so that, that was fun updating the plan. But um, yeah, so it's, I guess, uh, what you would call a maybe Georgian, sort of Palladian. We've got the, the large yeah. columns and the terrace in the back of the house that overlooks the Well, and you have this, and you have this really spectacular and, room that when you come in, right. it opens yeah, right. yeah, that, and that was a, that was of your design. Yeah, that was a, that was kind of influenced by uh, Frank Lloyd Wright. Actually, I went to Falling Water. Uh, yeah, uh, when I was younger, and I remember the, the guide telling us about the hallways. We were in the hallways, and they seemed very cramped. And she said that uh, Wright didn't want people in the hallways, so he purposefully made them sort of cramped. And when you got to the rooms where he wanted you, he opened them up. So it was a it was a dramatic so moment. It was it was a it was a way to you know, lead you into what you, where he wanted you. Yeah. And so here the, the big open space looks out over the field. So you're, you're kind of pushed from the doorway into this big open space with all these windows. So, and then out here on the patio and then, and then, the patio and then a can... formal, a formal garden out there. Now, mm -hmm. I don't know if you know this, my, um, so when I first met you, mm -hmm. I was watching your cats while you were in Lisbon, I think. Mm -hmm. And, um, I brought my kids up. And my kids still talk about this place and they describe it as they call it the cat museum because <laughs> it, look, it looks like a museum and <laughs> there were cat cats. Museum. Yeah, oh they gosh, call it yeah. the cat museum. And your son mm -hmm. had those little, um, uh, they're not Lego guys. What are oh, they? The Playmobil. Play, Playmobil yeah. guys. Yeah. And he had hundreds of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that was had, his thing. He would collect those. And he had and he had set them out in like a an army of mm -hmm. them that were all, it was just the funniest thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, kids, my kids still remember this place. Oh, yep. Um, Okay, so you're here. Mm -hmm. Let, let's talk about the the school. How did you get on the school board? Because West Virginia is not known for its education system. Is that right. fair to say? Yeah, and and I mean, when I moved up here, I I wanted the kids to. I, I figured they'd probably have to be in a private school because I didn't know what impact being in the Pentagon daycare or 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 surviving nine eleven would have on them in the long run. 
So I wanted them in small classrooms where the teachers could keep an eye on them, you know, and if anything came up, we'd catch it early. And so I looked around and there was a, a place called Country Day School up here and uh, went and talked to the teachers and, and talked to the, um, the head of school. And it seemed like a good fit. And it, it was. I mean, uh, both the kids were reading probably at the second or third grade level by the time they got out of first grade. Right. So right. And so, and and uh, and Drake is currently in Harvard. Right. Drake's at Harvard. Uh, he's going to be a senior this year. Chandler's at Wake Forest. And he's going to be a lawyer. Be a, right. Yeah. He's going to be a lawyer. Yeah. She's a junior this year. And uh, so so your educational yeah. plan worked. Yeah. Yeah. It went really really well between uh, country day school and then going to there's a prep school up the road where Heather works, uh, and they did a great job of getting the kids ready for college. So yeah. And you, well, and there's one other thing I just thought about this. You um. Speaking about your, your how it how it all impacted your kids, I remember um, when they got Bin Laden. Um, oh, yeah. You and I talked about, it and you said, uh, yeah. I, and, I, and I will never forget this. You yeah. said that you know other people, the boogeyman is sort of a yeah. a fake thing, right? But but for yeah, Drake and Chandler, he was real. He killed their mother. He was a real guy. Yeah, and when I went up and told him that that the seals had got Bin Laden, just you know the the look, especially the look in Drake's eyes, was just this sense of relief. You know, that, I can't imagine. Yeah, it was it was something else. I saw you one one time. We were watching. Was it Black uh, the the Zero Dark Thirty? Oh yeah. And um, was that weird to watch? Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, I kind of like because I'm an analyst. I kind of got all nerdy about the analysis right, portion right. of it. You're like that was not right. That was but, sick. Yeah, no, I mean it was actually not too bad. Um, but yeah, I mean the whole the whole thing was I was I was thrilled that he was dead but at the same time felt a little guilty that i should be celebrating somebody's death yeah it is a little weird so so let's let's we're gonna shift gears so let's go back to now you ran you ran for the house of delegates right and damn near won. yeah it came what was it 70 if 75 people had changed their mind i would have won and this is now you're uh you were ran as a democrat right in what I think it's fair it's to say be- it's, it's become a Republican yeah, area. It's become a Republican yeah, I mean, the, the district that I they actually, um, I had, the first time I ran, I ran against the longest serving delegate in state history. And uh, not surprisingly, uh, didn't make it. But I learned a lot and actually uh, was able to use a lot of the skills that I had uh, developed and refined as an analyst uh, when it came to being uh, a campaigner. I mean, uh, you know, learning how to look at the data on, on uh, voters, how they vote, you know, uh, voting trends, things mm-hmm. like that, um, being able to put together uh, marketing materials that are concise and to the point, probably could have been a little more concise, but still to the point. But it goes um, back to the, it goes back to the, I mean, it's the same skill you start as a history major, you're talking about analyst. It's yeah, it's basically, so. it's yeah. basically the same skill yeah. set. That to to a certain degree, yeah. I mean, there's there's the communication aspect of it and the research and analysis aspect. Yeah, that that got yeah. you through. They got you yeah. through your college and degree. And I think the the thing that I enjoyed uh, about the running, the, about the campaigning, what well, was it, which was kind of surprising because I've always been kind of a borderline introvert extrovert. You know, um, was knocking on doors and getting to talk to people from all different kinds of life. That was that was really kind of uh, interesting and and uh, and fun. But also just working on the, the graphics and the, the, the marketing aspect of the campaign. I was surprised at how much I liked that. Um, but that was a, sort of a way to be creative that I 
didn't necessarily get. I mean, historians don't necessarily get to be too creative. I mean, you're supposed to be. So would you, you do know. it again? Yeah. Would you run again? Not here. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was prob pretty... probably not. What, what, um, what, if you had a lesson to, if you could from here go back and tell yourself that was running, like what's the greatest lesson you learned from running? Jeez. Um, I don't know. The, the, the lesson that I haven't learned from running is to remember that 3,000 people voted for you. Right. Right. You know? Right. I tend to fixate on the fact that I lost by seventy something. By, it was. It turned out to be like it was a loss by like one hundred and forty five votes. So again, if I if I convinced seventy five people to go the other way, it would have right. You know, and so that. that's and that's but, the narrative that runs in your head instead of I had three thousand people that were that that yeah. It's it's that I lost, and that that and it's not just that I lost. It's that I lost to a guy who was really an idiot. This is the same guy that went on CNN and made the comment that Hillary Clinton should be hung on the mall for treason. Right. Well, if there's one thing yeah. we learned from anything so, of the recent elections, that being an idiot does not in any yeah. way disqualify you yeah. for any public office. Yeah. So, I mean, that that really shook my faith in humanity, I think, <laughs> at that point, you know, that, that something like that could happen. Um, but, you know, I, I look back and there's not too much I would do differently. I think I might have kept, we kind of backed off the, the get out the vote phone calls because we were getting some, you know, aggravated responses from people we were calling. Um, in retrospect, I probably would have ignored that and right. kept the get out the vote calls going. But, you know, you end up where you're supposed to end up. So. You've had, you've had just an amazingly interesting life. For a history major, yeah. you've had a pretty good life. Yeah. It's been, and, and, you know, it's like, you talk about uh, reinventing yourself. It, maybe it's more about refinding yourself. Huh. Uh, you know that because you're right. The skills that I use, I keep using. Right. You know, it's you just haven't different changed. Ways. I haven't changed. Um, in some cases, yeah, I, I, I changed a little bit, but ultimately, it's it's the skills you enjoy using. You know, um, kind of take you where you want to go. I guess. So there's one other uh, story, anecdote, that you and I have talked about many times that I'm desperate to get on tape because it is my fa it is one of my favorite stories of all time. <laughs> so let's set this up. So okay. you, you once had to give a presentation at the Pentagon mm -hmm. for a, a relatively high-ranking person. Supreme Allied Commander Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So relatively high-ranking, yeah, right? Yeah. His words, Supreme Commander, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, And uh, it didn't uh, – something happened on the way there. Yeah, yeah. Um... So it, the, the briefing was going to take place at 8 o'clock in the morning. So you had to give a briefing to the Supreme Allied Commander for Europe right. at the Pentagon. At the Pentagon. How much stress was that? Oh, that it, it wasn't so bad. I mean, I, it, it, I knew the material, and he probably didn't. So Have you briefed somebody at that level before? Um, I, I used to give um, briefings to the what, what was called the J3 Counter Narcotics Conference. Okay. So the J3s were all the... Um, operations uh, uh, officers for the joint commands at the different, uh, you know, like Central Command or uh, uh, Northern Command, Southern Command. Anyway, they're three-star generals. So you get up and give a briefing and there'd be like, you know, a dozen three-star generals sitting around a big table. Okay. And uh, It's not a thing that happens very often. No, no. But at the time I was working on heroin and they didn't know so much about heroin. Okay. So... So if you're yeah. the expert in the room, you're yeah. not. You're not. Uh... And I used to work on uh, Southeast Asian heroin, and 
I would put slides up with with Thai names, which if you've ever seen Thai names, right. there's just a collection of you know, and they would sit there and watch me and wait for me to you know see how you say proctopot pornopot. Okay. You know, or tanong, were... or tanong sira prichapong. Right, of course, and, as you do. You know, I would do that, and you could see them actually just kind of. So, so no, briefing in generals wasn't that big a deal, I, I guess. All right, so and, let's go. Uh, so you have to give a briefing uh, to the supreme uh, allied commander of Europe, right? And I'm I'm one of probably eight or nine analysts who were giving briefings that morning. And how long was um, the briefing supposed to run? Briefing was supposed to be about 10 minutes. All right. And there's eight or nine people. Eight going. or nine people. And, and I'm like... kind of already, before I even get there, I know I'm not going to get a full 10 minutes. Right. Um, so anyway, it was eight o'clock in the morning. I live in Shepherdstown. It would have taken me, oh, a good two and a half to three hours to get to the Pentagon by eight o'clock in the morning. Okay. And I just figured, you know, at the time my um, mother-in-law lived about five minutes from my office. Uh, so I figured I'd just stay with her that night and that way I could get up at a reasonable time, run thinking. into the That's office, pick up the briefing, you know, cause it was classified. So you couldn't take it home, um, pick up the briefing and run into the Pentagon. So I, I went to her place that, uh, the night before and she took me out to dinner and, uh, I won't name the restaurant cause maybe they've improved their uh, <laughs> record, okay. but about, I don't know, four o'clock in the morning, I woke up and thought I was having a heart attack. There was just this rock in my chest and I was sweating profusely and, and, uh, I just, I, I couldn't think of what to do. I, I, I couldn't get back to sleep. I thought, you know, I, I have to do this cause I can't call somebody at six in the morning and say, uh -huh. you've got to do the briefing. Plus you, you have all the material. Well, the material is at the office, but nobody else knows the material. Gotcha. And, uh. And I don't know how to call them at six in the morning anyway. Right. So I just, I, I got to tough it out. So I felt awful. I got up and took a shower and got dressed. And my, I remember my mother-in-law was worried about me. She gave me a, a Ziploc bag full of saltine crackers. That that and, Ziploc bag's coming back in this story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's remember that Ziploc yeah, bag. Yeah. So I went to the office and... Uh, uh, before I went to uh, my desk to get the briefing, I stopped by the men's room to see if I could throw up. And I couldn't. I just felt that bad that I thought I better try. Picked up the briefing, went back, got in the car, drove down onto the toll road, got through the toll booth and pulled over to the side of the road, pretended to inspect my tire and thought, okay, this time I'm going to throw up. But I didn't. So I drove <laughs> the rest it, of the way. This is an awful story when yeah. you want to throw up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I ended up driving another, geez, half hour, 45 minutes. Finally, uh, coming off the George Washington Parkway next to the Pentagon, I'm pulling off. I can see the Pentagon, and all of a sudden, I'm like, uh-oh. And this is and this is the part of the road where you can't get this off. Is, this is I can't get off, and I'm merging into traffic. And I remembered that line from Wayne's World, if you're going to spew, spew in the cup. <laughs> so, so I reach over, and I grab the Ziploc, and I hold the Ziploc open in front of me, and Puke into the Ziploc. While driving while down driving the road. While driving and merging into traffic. In a suit. In, in a suit, and then I... That wasn't enough for me, apparently. I had to, so I threw up again. I threw up about four times. And, On the way to the Supreme and, and, Allied Commander yes, of and, Europe. And, and the Ziploc was full oh, and God. things just went everywhere. And so I decided I would pull into the parking lot at the Pentagon City Mall and hope nobody was there. And it was pretty deserted. So I pulled into a corner away from the security cameras and I realized I had yesterday's clothes in my suitcase in the back of the car. So That's I lucky. went to the back of the car. Pulled out yesterday's clothes. 
I, I had some armor all wipes for the, you know, to clean off the dashboard. Oh my God. I used those to clean myself off, oh, changed God. into yesterday's clothes, and then raced for the Pentagon so I could get to a little convenience store and buy some mints and clean up, oh, make sure there was God. nothing on my face before I went into the briefing. There needs to be a medal and, for this. Yeah. And then I get into the briefing and... Uh, uh, this was the only briefing I've ever been to where they put food in front of you. Of course. At the briefing. Of course. So I was just kind of like, oh, no thanks. Oh, God. And it's sitting in front of you and you're it's trying not to smell it. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and the, the general comes in and I go to shake his hand and I'm like, boy, I sure hope I don't smell like barf. And, and, and I hope I don't throw up on the general. Yeah. Yeah. And so he finally sits down and they start, you know, I'm, I look at the agenda and I'm last on the agenda. Oh, my God. I'm just like, oh, crap. And everyone goes long. Everybody goes long. And I just keep going through my, my notes and crossing things out. So in the end, I had about a minute and a half, I oh, think. So you, so you have a 10-minute briefing that you've prepared mm -hmm. on your sort of extra time. They don't give you time to do this during the day, right? So you're... I give you some, yeah. And you're, but you've, but, you've prepared this briefing, mm -hmm. and 10 minutes then becomes 9 minutes, then becomes and 8 then minutes. Becomes so you're doing the math in five, your head. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, I just need to, you know, hit the high points. And you're cutting, so and you're just cutting, cutting things off. Cutting, cutting, trying then, to get down to what's important. And then and pretty soon you have less than, you have a minute. Have a, like a minute and a half, maybe. And what did he and, say? Uh, what did the general say? Because he, he must have known you didn't have time. Yeah, he just said, Thank, thanks, and, you know, I'll be back, and hopefully, you know, we, you, you get to brief me again. But, but I, mean, I hit the high points, so. So you, you had know. a minute and a half, and did he say, I know you don't have any time, let's just give me the high points? No, no, he just, you know, I guess he expected me to know to hit the high points because okay. they told me you don't have too much time, you know, you, you've got a, a minute or two. So how many, uh, uh, so if you had uh, eight or nine points, I don't know, mm. how many points did you originally have? If it was a 10 minute brief, I probably had about five pages of wow. material, five double spaced pages. Five double spaced pages. Yeah. And then how much stuff did? I probably did... cut it down to about a page. Oh my God. Yeah. Now, did you did did you end up reading verbatim, or you just no, hit it? No, you just no. like by that point, you know. I mean, typically, I like to read verbatim because I'm I try to be very precise with my wording, right? So that you know, there's no misinterpretation, right? Um, but in this case, it was just you're getting down to, you know, the the basics. Oh my god! And uh, so I just kind of at, at that point, I was just almost making a, a small outline in my head of okay, you need to. Mention this, this, and this. And that's it. And and that's it. And you can expand a little bit on each one. Now, do you have, are there slides for a presentation like this? No. No, you're just, you're just talking. Yeah. And uh, afterwards, what did, uh, what did the people in your office say? Did, did, did they, if, if they heard this story? Oh, yeah. I went back and, and uh, I said, okay, everybody just come in to my cube cluster. You know, we had a little cube <laughs> cluster. I said, everybody, I'm going to tell the story once. So come back in here. And I had like... 15 people crammed into this little, you know, cube area. And I told them the story and they're like, wow. I can't believe it. You deserve a medal, man. Yeah, you do deserve a medal. I'm like, well, you know. That is, uh, that is absolutely my favorite story of all time. I'm, I'm sorry it comes at your expense, but. Oh, no, it was pretty. I, at the time, thought it was pretty funny. So this is, this is the last question then. Mm -hmm. So if you could go back in time mm -hmm. and give, well, with bearing in mind who might be listening to this, the, the dozen people mm -hmm. who may be listening. Um, if you could go back in time and give yourself some advice or give anyone else who's trying to, uh, I don't know, a lot of people have not done what you've done, yeah. which is have such a varied and very successful career mm -hmm. um, and and been able to, to do so many different things differently. If you could go back and give yourself advice or give somebody else some advice mm -hmm. about like, how do you do that? I guess you play to your strengths, you know? It's like, you know, Drake's getting ready to, he'll graduate next year. And this is something I've been discussing with him. 
you got to, I keep telling them to do what you love. You got to be realistic about it. I mean, you know, you're not going to, you know, what I would love to do is be the, you know, Duke of Argyle and live in a castle and. Right. That'd be a good, that'd be a good uh, gig. It's not going to happen, but you know, I can live in the country and, uh, but, but I mean, throughout my careers, I have, uh, played. Careers. My, yeah. Yeah. You know, played to my strengths. I've, you know, I'm, I'm I, you know, Hampton Sydney taught me to communicate very, you know, it <laughs> doesn't sound like it now, but taught, taught me to communicate very well. I'm, I'm, I'm a good writer, let's put it that way. And I can, <laughs> I can translate into a briefing. Um, but yeah, being able to communicate has been uh, one of the things I've been able to capitalize on, um, being able to analyze and, and you know, recognize biases and, and things like that. Um, so yeah, play to your strengths. But... Even, you know, I still have regrets. I kind of feel like going back to DOD was a, a bit of a cop-out. I mean, maybe I should have tried something totally Why? new. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should have. I don't know. I mean, there are other things that, uh, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm having fun doing what I'm doing. You're about to go to you Afghanistan. Yeah. You're about to turn yeah. a whole new page. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting, like you said, an interesting life at the by the time it's all uh, said and done. But um, and then there's future postings possibly in, uh, yeah, in ho hopefully in yeah. England. And yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, I, I keep telling Drake, do what you love, be realistic about it. Don't be afraid to take the leap because, you know, I, and I tell him, I don't know if every, this applies to everybody, but I tell him, you know, you always have this place to come back to and, and have and a if, home base. If, yeah. If life kicks you in the teeth, you come back here, we'll take care of you. We'll get you rested up. We'll get you refitted so that you're ready to go back out and try again. And I said, you know, if, if I remember reading a few years ago, uh, the Bureau of Labor was saying that most uh, Americans will have three different jobs, you know, over the course of their at least at life. least it's like yeah. three to six. Yeah. So you know, it's you're going to do different things. Go out and try things that that you think you'd like, and and, and, and you never know. And you never know. And 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 it's not going to be perfect. You know, right. it's not going to be exactly what you hope for, but but you can have fun along the way, and and that's you know and another thing I told him is that the people that you surround yourself with will will, will make a huge difference. So have good friends and enjoy. You know, I, I was telling him about my you know he, he's worried about his future. I said you know I I went to college. I graduated in '86. I went to grad school and finished with that. I was having a little too much fun with my research on my thesis. But I, I graduated in 89. I, I worked as a temp uh, for four months and then got hired as a secretary at the Red Cross and worked there for seven months when my background checks and security clearance went through and then took a job doing something I didn't necessarily want to do, but was a way to get my foot in the door. And three years later, I was finally hired as an analyst. And, but, and I said, you know, those weren't, there were periods of depression between the time I graduated from college and became an analyst. But there were a lot of really good times too and people that I really enjoyed and, 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 and loved to this day and people I don't see. I mean, there are people I don't see anymore from that period, but that made my life really pretty special. So even during those periods in the wilderness, you can remember that there are going to be good times, you know, That's good. and, uh, and just keep plugging ahead. You know, I, even, uh, I remember my mentor, General Sam Wilson, he uh, was one of Merrill's marauders. 
in World War II, and he lied about his age to join the military. He was 19 years old, and he was leading a reconnaissance platoon in Burma wow. behind Japanese lines. And I asked him one time, how do you do that? I mean, you never know when there's, you know, it could be a sniper up right. in a tree. Yeah, how do you do that? He said, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Well, there you That's go. what I did. I just concentrated on putting one foot in front of the other. And that advice, I mean, after 9-11, you know, for a long time I was on autopilot, but I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And then, and then doors open. And then you. doors eventually open. Yeah. Yeah. So just keep putting one foot in front of the other and well, hang in there and, and do what you, you know, try and incorporate some of what you love into what you do. Oh, that's great. So I, that's perfect. Good. Uh, Don, yeah. it's, uh, so, uh, people on the tape, uh, Don and I are going to turn off the tape now and we're going to finish a bottle of scotch. There you go. Thank you very much. Oh, you bet. Visit reinventionpodcast.com for transcripts and other free resources.